Vet Girl here today with Ashley Newman, a clinical pathology resident at Cornell University, and she's going to be giving us some great hints on getting the most out of your complete blood count. Basically, we're going to chat about some artifacts that can affect your CBC results. So many times you're doing a CBC on your in-house analyzer, and these are great for fast results, especially when you're on overnights or emergency shifts and you need results right then. However, a blood smear evaluation really does provide a great deal of additional information as to the severity or sometimes even the mechanism of disease. So clinical pathology laboratories evaluate blood smears and perform a white blood cell differential count on all CBCs. But unfortunately, this requires shipping your sample out. So unfortunately with shipping comes the inevitable time delay between when you've attained your sample to when it's evaluated in the lab. And this creates the potential for increased errors. There are changes that can happen in vitro or in your tube that not only affect the analyzer results, but also cellular morphology and thus are interpretation. When blood is submitted in EDTA and then smears aren't made until when the blood arrives in the laboratory, there are some aging changes that occur mainly in the neutrophils. So the nuclei of neutrophils swell, resulting in segmented neutrophils actually appearing as band neutrophils and that mimics a less shift. In addition, small dole bodies can actually start to appear in the cytoplasm, mimicking toxic change. Platelets also start to clump in vitro, and that's going to make it more difficult for us to obtain an accurate platelet count or estimate, and may give a false impression of a thrombocytopenia when the platelet count is truly adequate. So to prevent these artifacts, the best thing you can do is to make about one or two fresh blood smears at the time of blood collection. And it's okay to make these smears either from the blood after it's been in the EDTA tube, using a microhematocrit tube to get some blood out, or directly after drawing the blood from your patient. And you want to submit these unstained smears with your EDTA tube sample for a CBC. So making a blood smear doesn't have to be intimidating, and the more you practice, the better you'll get. And honestly, any submitted fresh blood smear is better than no blood smear at all when it comes to mailed-in samples. So briefly, what you're going to do for a blood smear is to place a small drop of blood at about 4 millimeters or so in diameter, about a half a centimeter away from the frosted edge of the slide. Too large or too small of a drop will affect smear quality. Then you want to hold your spreader slide with your thumb on one side of the slide and your first finger in the middle of the slide about halfway down and your other fingers on the far side of the slide. And you want to have your spreader slide angle at about 30 to 40 degrees. Then you want to draw your spreader slide back into your drop of blood until the blood spreads along the edge and almost reaches either side of your spreader slide. Then you're going to push the spreader slide forward in a smooth motion, maintaining contact with the other slide until you get to the end of the slide. You should run out of blood before you reach the end. The resultant smear should have a feathered edge and a smear that extends no more than three quarters along the length of the slide. So ideally, your samples for a CBC should be shipped and arrived at the lab within 24 hours of you collecting them. The main artifacts that affect the automated results from the analyzer involve your red blood cells. So red blood cells in vitro take on water and they swell, and that results in a falsely increased MCV, which is your mean corpuscular volume, so their size, and then with an increased MCV, that's going to dilute the hemoglobin that's in the cell, and that's going to result in a falsely decreased MCHC, or your mean cell hemoglobin concentration, and that simulates changes that you would see in a regenerative response to an anemia. The larger swollen red cells then actually occupy more space, and that's going to result in a falsely increased hematocrit. 
However, if the red blood cells go on to take on too much water, they actually rupture, and that's going to result in hemolysis of your sample, and then a falsely decreased red cell count in hematocrit. In that case, you want to take your hemoglobin, since that's going to still be accurate, and multiply it by about 3, and that's going to give you an accurate estimate of the hematocrit. So until shipping, it's important to keep your EDTA blood refrigerated. With room temp storage, these in vitro changes are going to be accelerated. So the only way to minimize these artifacts is to make sure that the sample arrives at the lab as soon as possible, preferably within 24 hours, and to also keep your sample cool while shipping. Ship on ice packs, but you want to avoid direct contact with the sample in the ice pack. The freezing and lysis of the red blood cells can again affect the sample. In addition, remember not to refrigerate your fresh smears. The condensation that will form on the slide as a result of that can then create lysis of the cells and infect our patient.